Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. Today we're going to cover Epic versus Apple. I'm sure that's a surprise to a lot of you, but we're going to cover it in a different way. A number of you came into the comments to my videos, otherwise DM'd me or messaged me to say, hey, Rick, as much as I love virtual legality, as much as I love Epic versus everyone, the Fortnite antitrust lawsuits playlist, you should note it's roughly 11 hours long at this point in time. And because all of this is important and all of this is happening in real time, maybe folks can't really grapple with all of this information all at once. You should consider doing a short summary video. Now today, that's exactly what I'm going to do because today is an important day in the Epic versus Apple legal saga. Today is Injunction Day, or more specifically, Injunction Hearing Day, September 28th. In about three hours in California, the judge is going to take arguments from both Epic and Apple counsel to talk about whether or not a preliminary injunction should be issued in this case. You're going to see articles about whether or not that injunction actually did issue and what form that it took. So I thought we should summarize the positions of these various parties, what has happened so far, and really what I see is the potential outcomes for this preliminary injunction process, hopefully in 20 minutes or so or less, to give people an understanding of what they are looking at, what they're likely to be looking at once that injunction is issued. So in the beginning, Epic adds a direct payment option to the Fortnite product. If you aren't familiar with this, in general, you sell something on the App Store, you have to go through in-app payment processing, IAP, Apple gets a 30% cut, Epic doesn't like that. They put a different button that sold V-Bucks, the currency of Fortnite, at a discount that would pay Epic directly, not pay Apple any 30%. We did a video on it the morning that it happened saying Epic has declared war, And it was no surprise then when Apple removed Fortnite, said you're in violation, you're in breach of our contracts. Epic really hasn't denied that. Instead, what they have done is they filed a federal lawsuit against Apple claiming that they are in violation of the American antitrust laws, stating that Apple has a monopoly in app distribution on iOS and further a monopoly on IAP, in-app payment processing underneath their app store and saying that those are two separate markets Apple has that monopoly, and Epic seeks to break it up. Also, as part of that initial filing, they sought a temporary restraining order, which we'll talk about, which was issued in part in August, and a preliminary injunction, which is what the parties are discussing today. Now, in that request, they asked for three things, primarily. They said Apple shouldn't be allowed to remove Fortnite as modified with that direct payment option intact. They can't adjust Fortnite. They can't go behind the scenes and turn off that direct payment option, change Fortnite in some other way. And then most importantly, because Apple was rattling its saber and threatening to do this, Apple can't terminate the contracts with other Epic entities. So Epic Games is one part of the Epic family of entities. Epic Games makes Fortnite. Epic International, what you might otherwise see referred to as Epic Sorrel, helps distribute the Unreal Engine, helps work with licensees that are working with Unreal Engine, particularly in this case, on iOS. And Epic wanted the court to say Apple can't terminate those contracts because Apple hasn't claimed a breach of those contracts. Epic isn't fighting the fact that they breached the Fortnite contract because they think that the contract itself is illegal and evil and pernicious and all these various things. But Apple shouldn't be allowed to cut off Unreal. And that's what they asked the court to issue. Now, what is the standard for injunction and also the temporary restraining order that the court has looked at? Well, because this is a special power of the court, you have to prove more than just your case. 
First, you have to say that you're likely to win your case. And here is where Epic actually stumbled. The court said, well, we're not positive that you have a high likelihood of success on your case for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it's novel in American jurisprudence. This kind of hardware software integration, you're a monopolist in your own operating system, and the stuff that you actually sell through that operating system is not something that the American court system has really looked at a lot. And because of that, it's a little bit tricky for Epic to say that they have a high likelihood of winning because if they do win, it'll be something of a new decision. You also have to show if you're Epic that you will face irreparable harm if you don't get this preliminary injunction slash temporary restraining order. What does that mean? It usually means harm that can't be fixed with money. The law looks at damages, actual cash losses, as something that can be repaired. Okay, we order Apple to pay you $100 million. You're repaired for the $100 million you lost. So Epic has to go out there and say, because of all of this situation, by them removing Fortnite, Epic is losing goodwill. The people are losing their faith in Epic. They're losing their faith in Tim Sweeney. All of these very various bad things are happening to us. It is irreparable harm and it needs to be stopped. You can only do that using the power of the court. The third thing they have to show is the balance of the equities, which is a fancy way of saying that we are more fair than the opposing party, that the court should favor Epic because Epic is in the right, that Apple is acting as a bully or is acting badly. And because we are in the right, the court should issue this preliminary injunction. Finally, they have to show that it's in the public interest, that the public is interested in having Fortnite on the store. One of the things they say, of course, is that the public is interested in enforcing the antitrust laws. Apple, I think, rightly counters that by saying that's the same as talking about the likelihood of the win. You can't assume that you will win on the merits. You actually have to establish that the preliminary injunction itself is in the public interest. So Epic also offers that people are separated from their friends and family on Fortnite, on iOS, and also that it prevents Epic from building the metaverse. The metaverse being something that is actually referenced in public federal documents now extensively, thanks to Epic Games. And it's only if you can win a balancing test of all of these things against your opponent that the court looks at it and says, yes, we should issue a preliminary injunction. We should mandate that Fortnite be allowed on the Apple Store, and we will otherwise help you to get that done. But the court didn't say that in August. At the temporary restraining order level, what they said was Apple essentially wins the Fortnite arguments and Epic wins the Unreal arguments. Apple can remove Fortnite. Apple could adjust Fortnite, provided that they had the contract right to do so. They can cut off Epic Games. What they can't do is they can't terminate the contracts with Epic International because the court looked at what was briefed in August and said, Apple hasn't really established that they have the right to cut off Unreal, to cut off Epic International, because the contract with Epic Games is separate from the contract with Epic International. So this is the state of play as it stands right now, here on September 28th, before this hearing, before any order. And this is the state of play that has governed how these parties are discussing the issue. And they have been discussing it. September 28th, 2020, this morning is when the injunction hearing will be had, but Apple and Epic have briefed the court with a copious number of documents since the end of August when the temporary restraining order was partially issued and partially denied, and they will now be orally, verbally discussing it on a Zoom call at 12.30 Eastern today. Now, what did they say in those documents? They're trying to change things from the temporary restraining order, right? So we did a video called Epic Makes Its Strongest Case Yet, in which Epic did 
just that. Epic, again, has breached their contract. They aren't really arguing against that. What they are instead saying is that the contract itself is illegal and Epic should be allowed to decide that it's illegal right now and the court should back them up on it. They've stated that they have a better merits-based argument than what the court actually looked at at the temporary restraining order level by arguing something called an aftermarket. And we talked about the cases that kind of lead to these decisions. They aren't based in software. They aren't based in hardware. They're from the 90s for the most part. But what Epic is trying to establish is that Apple isn't a monopolist in smartphones. Nobody would argue that. They have something between a 15 or 30% interest in the smartphone market. Everybody understands that. They do have complete control over the iOS access market because it's a proprietary engine that they created. And underneath that, this is Epic's argument, they have the app store and then underneath that, in-app payment processing, which they would like to frame as an aftermarket because the courts have said in very specific instances that even if you don't have monopoly power in your primary market, which would be the sales of smartphones in this particular case, you could still have monopoly power in the secondary aftermarkets that are related to your primary market. And if you do, you could use that illegally. One of the things that a lot of the videos on YouTube get wrong, and we've talked about in virtual legality extensively as part of this series, is that monopolies are not themselves illegal. Apple is allowed to have 100% of the smartphone market if they got there with competitive dealing, with low prices, high quality goods, a unique product, whatever else it might be. The United States American antitrust law says that is totally fine. It is only illegal when you use monopoly or market power to retain that monopoly or to increase your monopoly power. And so Epic actually has to go and make the argument, not just that Apple is a monopoly provider of the iOS operating system, which they undoubtedly are, although they have to actually also show that that's a relevant market and that Apple will fight against, but also that they use the power unlawfully. And this is where they try to do that. They say that the app distribution is tied to the iOS. The in-app payment processing is tied to the app distribution and the parties wouldn't otherwise use in-app payment processing. And so because that is an aftermarket, they want to say it's illegal on its face. I think that's likely a very weak argument in this particular context of software integration, but they want to say it's illegal on its face. And then they further want to say that it's illegal just based on what we call the rule of reason, that it's clearly com it's restricting competition and that Apple should be punished for it. I think it's their strongest argument, whether or not it's a winner or not, whether it gets them to the threshold of high likelihood of success, I have my doubts, but it's a pretty good argument. I don't think Apple addressed it properly. In their documents, they basically hand wave it and say, nah, this isn't an aftermarket. Epic's other strong argument doesn't really relate to Fortnite. They would give up on the Fortnite case with just this bullet, but they would say, hey, Yes, we did all these bad things with Fortnite. Maybe Apple can take its punches against Fortnite. They shouldn't be allowed to harm Epic International. They shouldn't be allowed to harm Unreal. Apple hasn't asserted a contract breach, and Apple really hasn't. Apple has just asserted that this is what we do when one of the parties in a family of parties uh, breaches our agreement. And because they lack that contract breach, we shouldn't harm these third parties. And the court has already shown themselves to be amenable to that argument saying, hey, you know, all of these independent third-party developers shouldn't just be the debris and rubble surrounding this Godzilla Titanic fight between these enormous companies. It isn't fair that they get harmed. And so I might issue an injunction if I'm the judge just to say that isn't fair. This is entirely an equitable kind of concept, a preliminary injunction hearing. This is based on what the judge thinks is fair. The last argument that they make, and you'll see this language in their documents a lot, is retaliation. 
Apple isn't technically allowed to just retaliate against Epic because they brought an antitrust lawsuit. Why? Well, for one thing, because it tends to make it look like they're using market power unlawfully to restrict trade. So the court doesn't look kindly on retaliating against an antitrust lawsuit. That being said, Apple actually has a fairly strong counter argument to this because Epic breached the agreement first. They breached the agreement, then they filed the antitrust lawsuit after Apple acted against the breach. And so you're in a situation where Apple doesn't have to say they were just retaliating against Epic with respect to that with respect to their lawsuit. They can say they were actually retaliating against the breach. And if Epic fixes things, then Apple is totally fine taking their 30% of Fortnite while this case is adjudicated. Now, Apple, of course, had their own documents. They actually had two that were filed during this period. The first video that we did on it is called Apple Brings the Fire. That is actually when they defended themselves against the main claims from Epic, as well as brought a counter lawsuit against Epic, as well as this video, Apple Comes for Unreal, in which they not only countered Epic's claims in their preliminary injunction request document, but they also really doubled down on the fact that they should be allowed to terminate the relationship between Apple and Epic International to cut off the Unreal Engine. And that's really what this fight has come down to because that temporary restraining order has basically set the framework for where the fight occurs, right? If all other things are equal, if nobody filed any more documents, the court would just rule the same way again. Apple can get rid of Fortnite. Apple can't get rid of Unreal. And so both Apple and Epic are trying to move the ball on the field away from that point to favor themselves. Now, Apple's strongest arguments here are that there's a clear and curable contract breach, that Epic clearly breached their contract. Epic hasn't claimed otherwise. Epic could cure it with a single keystroke, which is a phrase you'll see in Apple's documents. And because they can cure it, the court shouldn't be using its special powers, court orders, to cure something that Epic could do on its own. Epic responds to that by saying, we shouldn't have to capitulate to these evil and pernicious contracts because they are evil and pernicious. And we should be able to say this is unlawful and the court shouldn't force us to abide by an unlawful contract even during this time of the litigation because that would be unfair, inequitable. And in general, Epic's case there is a bit weak because you go through this litigation process to determine what is unlawful. And as much as Epic might want it to be so, Epic and Tim Sweeney at all aren't really in charge of deciding when something is unlawful, taking self-help at the start, and then asking the court to back up that self-help. Now, could they win that? Of course. Any of these arguments are ones that Epic could win or that Apple could win. This is all up to the judge and her determination of what is fair. But Apple makes a strong argument that has already been sympathized with by the court that Epic did this to itself. That temporary restraining order was issued in Apple's favor on the Fortnite question because the court looked at the question and said, yep, you know what? They did it to themselves on Fortnite and the court isn't in the business of fixing things for other people. Now, in terms of the merit case, right? Epic has to show that they have a high likelihood of success. Apple defends against that in these documents. They say, well, we're not a monopoly. No one would accuse us of being a smartphone monopoly. The iOS access question is not a relevant antitrust market because Fortnite can be bought and used in various of these other markets. So we're not a monopolist provider of access to Fortnite. They try to frame the question slightly differently. And then on the aftermarket question, they hand wave it, but they hand wave it with a paragraph that also says, look, this is an integrated offering right? This is a phone operating an OS that we created to operate it and on the terms that we are choosing to sell our hardware. 
It's a walled garden, sure, but the American legal system has generally allowed that business model. That's what we are doing. And Epic's action here will have all these deleterious effects for a lot of other hardware models if the court were to allow this theory and to pursue it. Further, Apple argues that even if you can show we have this monopoly power, there aren't two markets between app distribution and IAP, so there can't be tying. And further, the 30% we charge is the same that everybody else charges in software, with some rare exceptions, including the Epic Game Store, which may have been created for this purpose, the purpose of this lawsuit. And because 30% is something that is market standard that we have charged since the first day that we sold apps through the App Store, then what are you accusing us of using in terms of monopoly power? I think those are pretty good arguments as well. Finally, on this third bullet, they're trying to hit Unreal. They say it's not just a problem that Epic added direct payment. It's a problem the way they did it. We at Apple have an app review process to make sure that the code that we get on our phone is checked by us in at least some minimal way. And what Epic did was that in early August, they changed their program, Fortnite, to be receptive to a server-side quote-unquote hotfix that would be issued in the middle of the night after a Tim Sweeney declaration of war email. And after that was done, judge, we simply can't trust them on our hardware. That Epic has had security issues in the past, that they've had security issues with the Epic Game Store, with Fortnite being used as a bit of a Trojan horse on Android when it was open over on Android, and that we are worried that if they have this access to our platform through Unreal, that they could continue to have security problems, that they could hide things from us, not go through our app review process, and they have proven to be an untrustworthy partner judge. So you should not be using the court's power to mandate that Apple be in business with an untrustworthy partner. Now, as a lot of you will point out, that is very self-serving from Apple's side of things. They definitely want to cut off Unreal because they know it will hurt Epic. They know it will make this litigation hurt more and they want to make it hurt as much as possible so that Epic rethinks its strategies here. And that's undoubtedly correct. The question is, is that enough of a counter argument to the fact that Apple has a right to terminate its contracts for convenience? The court doesn't generally step in to change contract terms in this context. And Epic really did act surreptitiously here. One of the things you would have heard in this video series is that I have said, a better plaintiff than Epic could bring this argument a lot better. If someone had just sued Apple for an antitrust issue, if Microsoft, having been denied the xCloud access, had decided then to sue Apple on a vertical monopoly integrated antitrust basis that they are favoring their own video game services, including App Arcade, against xCloud without breaching it and had that case, I think that would have been a stronger argument to make against Apple. Instead, those of you that wish to see Apple's terms changed or Apple broken in some fashion are left with Epic as your knight in shining armor. And unfortunately, I see them making these footfalls that allow Apple this space to make these arguments and potentially win on the Unreal question as well. Now, what are the potential outcomes here? This is all subjective. I'm not the judge. As we've said, this is an equitable proceeding, which means the judge gets to decide all of this on her own. But I see the potential outcomes as follows. The most likely conclusion is the temporary restraining order is what happens in the preliminary injunction, right? That Apple is allowed to keep Fortnite off the store and Apple is prohibited from doing anything against Epic International and Unreal. That's the most likely outcome because that's the outcome that we already had sitting in front of us. Second bullet I've got here is that Epic is unlikely to win on Fortnite. I think that re remains true. 
They didn't really counter the fact that they did this to themselves. They simply said, that's okay. We're allowed to do it to ourselves if we think the contract is really evil. That didn't work at the temporary restraining order level. I don't really see that changing now today, which means that Apple is really in the catbird seat to potentially gaining ground and being allowed to remove Unreal. Apple could win on that Unreal question, primarily if the court really buys into the contract right argument. That Apple says, look, we get to control whether or not we do business with another party. The Unreal company or the Epic company that runs Unreal is not separate enough from Epic Games that we shouldn't be allowed to take action against it. We're just going to use our termination for convenience clause if you don't believe any of that breach language. And if we use that termination for convenience clause, that's what everybody agreed to at the front end. We have 30 days to cut you off. By the way, you have 30 days to cut us off. If that's what you decided to do, that's what we agreed to. That's the right we're going to use. And the court shouldn't step in to prevent us from using a contract right that was freely negotiated between these two parties. However, even if they win that argument, I do see a situation in which the court could potentially step in with this fourth bullet caveat and say, okay, well, Apple, I'm willing to give you a win on these things because Epic did it to itself it was curable. Epic could cure it with a keystroke. But right now, we're living in a world in which you've cut off Fortnite. You're threatening to cut off Unreal. You might do so after I issue this order denying it on Epic's part, if I indeed do that. And when you do that, then Epic can't fix the problem. And so what I want to do is I want to pretend that Epic didn't just breach and bring this lawsuit. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to grant you the win, Apple, but you have to put everything back. You have to restore all the developer agreements between Epic International, Unreal, Epic Games, Fortnite, everything has to go back the way it was if Epic agrees to remove the direct payment option throughout the length of this litigation. That we just go back and pretend that Epic did it the right way. They didn't breach and then sued. They sued and then we talked about it and then we determined whether the contract was illegal. And if they fix it, then Apple, you have to put everything back the way it was. I could see it going that direction. I'm not sure what direction it's going to go. It'll be very interesting to see. The most likely conclusion is still that kind of TRO conclusion, but it will be interesting to find out. We will undoubtedly be covering it here in virtual legality when that order issues. We might also be talking about it with some other folks. I never like to make guarantees on those until they are happening, but we could have some fun conversations with some other YouTube lawyers uh, here in this space. So please keep tuned in, check us out. And if you like this, please like, subscribe, share, tell folks that we are talking about these kinds of things in virtual legality. If you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. 20 minutes, 20 minute summary of about 11 hours of material. That's not bad. I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.